You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live, we live, we live. Welcome to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I'm your host, Walker Mail, alongside Nada Edwards and usually Doug Branson. But Doug is, I believe, on a plane to San Diego, correct? Yes, he went to San Diego, went a day early, didn't tell nobody. Yeah, he didn't tell. I thought he was going to at least be here today. And he told us that he had a lot of trips coming up. So for all you listeners who are considered Dougaholics or just really listen to the show for all of Doug's expertise, then you might just want to take these few days off, I guess, because no, 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 no. Why are you trying to ruin the money? No, I, yeah, that's fine. I'm just saying if you're a Dougaholic, then at least you're going to be longing for Doug. He's on a hiatus now I mean, he's going to be gone for, he's not going to be here today or tomorrow. I, is it going to be all week next week? Maybe I back, believe so. Maybe Friday. Maybe just a couple of days he's going to come back. So he's, he's going to be gone for a pretty long time. I thought we were going to get one more day. I wanted to say my goodbyes to him for at least the next week or so. I mean, again, there were hurricane-like conditions. I get it. You got to leave while the getting is good. And it's San Diego. Oh, I would think about the same that. thing. That's right. I think he's off to a wedding, if I'm not mistaken. So it should be a fun weekend for Doug. But then the other trips that he's got planned up are all for work. So hopefully Doug can get back and uh, we can talk some more Hornets with him as soon as he does. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Nada at Nada the Scribe, and Doug at Doug Branson LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Lockdown Hornets is what you want to look for. All right. So we've got some articles about the Charlotte Hornets that we've got here kind of accumulated and we wanted to touch on today. One of the more fun ones, I think, uh, is, is Zach Lowe's article, and he's got a ranking of these tiers of teams, and I think it's interesting to look at the group of teams that he has in each one of these tiers. You know, the Tier 1, it includes the Golden State Warriors, and honestly, if you just wanted to make them a Tier 1, you could probably do that. But Tier 1 is Boston following suit after Golden State, then you have Houston, and he does have the Raptors as a team, quote, searching for the proper paperwork to move up one tier. If they've, I love the Raptors this season. Not, I know you're not as high on them as I am, but I, I love the Raptors. I, I think they belong in that tier one, at least kind of that fringe tier one for them. I, I think they're a team, tier one team if they're good. I just don't think <laughs> Wait, don't they're. Uh, there's well, a of con- course, they're a tier one team if they're good. Yeah, but the problem is with them that. There's just this lingering thing. Nick Nurse is a new coach. You have Kyle Lowry that's going to be – there's a Catino Mobley, Steve Francis thing with him and DeMar. That's a problem. There are a whole bunch of different moving parts that I just do not like about this team at all. I love the depth. I I love the length anyway. I I think Toronto is is deservedly up there. But some other guys in tier – and these are are rock-solid playoff teams tier one. So he has these split up. So that's kind of 1A, if you will, 1B. And then you get to tier two, and he's got these broken up in rock-solid playoff teams. So the rock-solid playoff teams are the Lakers, the Pacers, the Wizards, and the Miami Heat – as long as they have Jimmy Butler in this scenario. So Zach kind of looking at what a possible uh, future destination for Jimmy would be in that situation. But the Charlotte Hornets, they come in in the second part of Tier 2 for Zach Lowe's projections, and it's right on the borderline. Yeah. He says it's the biggest tier he's ever had in one of these articles that he's put out before the NBA. So it's the Spurs, the Pelicans, the Trailblazers, the Heat without Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. the Detroit Pistons, mm-hmm. Charlotte Hornets, and Brooklyn Nets. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on. Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I Brooklyn Nets are in there. And so he talks about the Charlotte Hornets. There's not a whole lot of write-up about them. Basically saying, quote, 
Charlotte's shift to smaller, faster, and more shooting-heavy lineups, hello, Miles Bridges, is interesting. Does it amp up the offense enough to compensate for a potential drop-off on the other end? That's the question mark for Charlotte making the playoffs. And I think this is something we've talked about a lot, especially in this last game where we got to see that itty-bitty lineup of yours where the defense just wasn't there from them as Marvin was put at the five. And even Miles Bridges saw some time at the five. Very little, I think, he got sucked in. Again, second game in Boston. Yeah, and, and there you go. And so we got to see that lineup, how small it was offensively. It's fun. It's fun for all of these teams to sport a small lineup and then try to think of whatever kind of name they can resulting from the death lineup in Golden State. Yes. But you wonder, can the offense be enough of a producer in alternate versions of a a smaller lineup where maybe Marvin isn't the five, maybe you have all those backcourt members on the floor at the same time, but maybe Cody is in there, just whatever alternate type of lineups that you have. There's a lineup there that I do like. I just don't think it involves like... For me, I think their best lineup this year is going to be Kemba, Monk, Lamb, or Batum, Bridges, and then Cody. I think that's the best one that won't kill you. Well, Borrego coming out today and saying that the lineup was going, the starting lineup, he's leaning more towards what we all thought it would be. It's going to be Kemba, Jeremy Lamb, Nick Batum, Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller. That's the lineup that it looks like. And I like that lineup. That's the, that's the lineup I would personally start. That's the one I think we all had coming into this season. Great. But again, it's, it's the fast pace. It's the ball movement. It's the offense. We've talked about it all summer long with Borrego being the new head coach here. And so I think that is a legitimate question that we've been discussing. Is the offense going to be producing enough to compensate for maybe a drop-off in defense? Interesting to see. I, I don't think so because, again, I've been screaming – for about what five six seven well enough episodes? to make a playoff spot you don't yeah. you think they make a playoff spot right you would would you have them in the eighth spot as it looks right now yes well, because I don't believe in I don't believe in Detroit and I definitely don't believe in Washington I think they're seven or eight well and and let's talk about it so Zach has a couple of these other teams around him and I this is the conversation I find interesting is is talking about the teams surrounding them in that area where they could be getting Charlotte out of the playoff spot that are just around them, right? So so Brooklyn is the one that pops up to me the most. And Zach discusses a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets here. And look, I, I actually really like what the Nets have done given their handcuffs that were dealt to them by Danny Ainge and yes. by the previous regime in Brooklyn. But they find a way to get Spencer Dinwiddie, who was a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Agreed. Didn't win, but was a six-man-of-the-year candidate. You know, he filled the void at quote, a starterish level until his shooting stroke vanished, according to Zach Lowe, which I can agree with. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie is a nice player, but he's a starter guy for sure. And, you know, coming off the bench, especially for that team. You know, D'Angelo Russell, I just don't know if I like the whole makeup of this team. I'm just out on them making the playoffs. Like I'd like Jared Allen. I like signing Ed Davis. But then when you look at everything as a whole, I just don't see them being better than the Charlotte Hornets roster that I just like better. I like Detroit roster better and I think that team is probably looking at a 30 win season and that's not going to be good enough to make the playoffs by even I you know 40 what was it 43 45 that got yeah, in that 43 last year. the one thing that I would say about the Nets is and this is where I absolutely agree with you that they don't belong there and if I it were me and I were writing this I'd be swapping Brooklyn with Cleveland I think Cleveland's a whole lot more dangerous. And and I have I think Cleveland is going to be the one that is contending for the net spot and and contending for the Charlotte Hornets spot. And he's got the Cleveland Cavaliers as just being a bad basketball team. And look, I I like Kevin Love. 
know, Kevin mm-hmm. Love is going to be interesting to watch this season because his body has completely transformed from solo Minnesota Kevin Love yeah. to working with LeBron and being a different type of player. And so a lot of people are discussing, can Kevin Love go back to the Kevin Love of Minnesota? Yes. Well, and but that's a different body type. Like he's not going to be. I don't think he's going to be dominating the boards like he was. It's no, just different. He, he doesn't have to. Well, and he probably doesn't. But I want to know: Can that guy? Can that new Kevin Love be as dominant as Kevin Love was in Minnesota with just a different skill set? I think that I think he can be a little bit more versatile on offense because I think Sexton being there and being able to at least be a straight line drive guy and be really good at his straight line drives is going to help them out. I think the position versatility with Kevin Love is going to help. You can play him at four. You can play him at five. You might even be able to, if you if you can, play him at three. I think Seti Osman is going to have a really good season. Now, it just rely, you're relying on, is Rodney Hood going to bounce back because he's playing for money as well? How about that storyline, just kind of going to the wayside? That was unreal when we got Rodney Hood not wanting to enter the game, and now it's, hello, you're a Cleveland Cavalier again. That story just kind of went to the wayside, and that was one that was interesting when it happened. And also, Ty Lue's got something to prove. I think that matters a whole lot more than people are giving it credit for. So I would give Cleveland a little bit more of a chance. And I, I understand maybe some of the like there for Brooklyn. Again, I, I like some of these young guys that they have. I just I just don't think they're there yet. So Cleveland is the team that I would have competing with them. And Miami and Detroit. Those are the two teams. Miami without Jimmy Butler. Jim, if Miami gets Jimmy Butler, they're no, making the playoffs. They're, they're in. It's in. And it's not, it's not a question and, and about it to me. four teams competing for one spot. And then you have Detroit. And Detroit is the one that I think a lot of people are going to find most interesting because they do have the two stars, at least an all-star, and at one point a superstar in his career with Blake Griffin. You know, I just don't love the makeup of these two guys working together. Stan Van Gundy swears by Blake Griffin's ability to play some iso ball and work a pick and roll with Andre Drummond. He has grown into a shooter that you can't just leave alone anymore from the three-point land. Agreed. And so, like, he's gotten better every year. It's not He's not some knockdown shooter, but you look at the way that he's improved. I forget what the stats are. I don't have him in front of me. But they've, they've gone, he's gone to a respectable shooting number from beyond the arc. And they're trying to say that Andre Drummond is going to shoot some threes. Like, okay, I'll Please, take my chances. I, 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 you know what? I'll live with that. <laughs> I'll live. If you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, and all of a sudden their new thing is Andre Drummond shooting threes, even though he didn't improve his free throw shooting, I'm going to take a wild guess and say Andre Drummond does not shoot all that well from three-point land enough for me to respect it. More importantly, look at the wings. The wings are kind of underwhelming. They're below them. average. And and I, I even like Reggie Bullock on a team that probably is a little bit better for him to come in and be a depth guy. Uh, Luke Kennard I was out on completely during the whole, do you take Donovan Mitchell or Luke Kennard if those wings are there for you in the draft? It was all Donovan Mitchell. There wasn't any question about it to me. And th- not hindsight. I mean, just Luke Kennard I was way out on. Stanley Johnson has never developed into all that much. That's on Stan, though. I think that's a lot of Stanley Johnson's development no. or lack thereof is on Stan Van Gundy. Well, well, look, Stanley Johnson's got to stay in condition. I True, mean, the guy is big. You know, he's pushing Dion Waiters, maybe not that much, but I mean, it's he's big. Stanley Johnson has just not developed all that much, and I think you can put some of that on him. But your point is, look at all these wings, and like you know, Reggie Jackson. How long is it going to take before we finally don't trust Reggie Jackson anymore? Wait, people I mean, still I'm, trust him? I'm here. Right. Like, Reggie Jackson is somebody that everybody, well, well, can he still be a starter? Can he bounce back to the guy that the Detroit Pistons traded for in the first place? Like, no, I'm done. By the way, low-key, Pistons played a whole lot better with Ish Smith last year. And Ish Smith is somebody that can come off the bench, but it's somebody that's like, you know, 
Not, exactly. It's Ish Smith. Yeah. He was one of the greatest North Carolina point guards ever. <laughs> but I'm but I'm out on him making a playoff run for the Detroit Pistons. Exactly. And, and so you have all these teams, and I, I talked about this in the NBA preview that we did for Locked On NBA, and we discussed again just their playoff rankings and and where they could possibly fit in. So you can again you can get all your NBA previews this week at Locked On NBA. It's six teams a day, five days in the week, thirty teams previewed from the local experts of Locked On NBA. So you can follow Locked On NBA on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Lock On NBA. So just doing that plug there real quickly. But I talked with uh, I I talked about the Charlotte Hornets in the preview, and I think I have them as that eight seed getting in over Detroit, who is in in Detroit and Cleveland, who are going to be the nine ten. That's what I agreed. Think. And if Brooklyn finds a way to get up there in the nine ten, then I wouldn't be crazy shocked. But right now, I just feel more comfortable putting them outside of where Detroit and Cleveland would finish, and eventually having Charlotte finish as that eight seed. I have the Hornets as seven. I think who do they get better than? Washington, yeah, who probably gets who either makes the playoffs or doesn't. Washington and Detroit. I think the Hornets are a seven seed again. Well, it you would have to put Washington down because that because if we're going to have them ahead of Detroit, you're, you're the seven seed was Milwaukee. You have to the Heat. I know you're not high on. I'm not high on the. I'm, I'm really not high on the Heat. Yeah, you I don't, don't no think, love for Spo. It's not a no love for Spo. I think he's a wizard. I just think at some point you got to come up with some new potions here. Well, I'm interested to see how, how this season plays out. It's going to be I it's going to be a tough race for that. I I think to me, I put the Heat not solidly in there. If they get Jimmy Butler, it's done. But no, no, it, it's over. It, but the Heat, I'm I'm pretty comfortable putting in there. But if not, then that would certainly be a team. Like I, I'll tell you this though. As much as I believe in the Heat getting in there, I do. I will tell you this. I do think that Washington is better than the Heat. And we're we're pretty different on Washington. Like I, I think Washington's just too talented, and they get in. I like the talent. I, I I like the talent. I hate the chemistry, and I don't think Scott Brooks is the right guy. Now, Jan Mahimi is hitting threes like it's nobody's business. Yeah, I right feel now. about that the same way I do about Andre Drummond hitting threes. No, no, they're no. He's actually legitimately, legitimately hitting them at a decent clip. That's the guy. If if we're talking about bigs that'll hit threes, Jan Mahimi might be the guy. That said, he's also got to stay healthy. More importantly, I do not trust Scott Brooks with this kind of chaos in this locker room. He's already had to tell them to stop talking. Guess what they started doing? Austin Rivers came out with a piece, I want to say two days ago, on CBS talking about, we're, again, everybody's disrespecting us. No one's listening. This is a bad fit. Where's your Jan Mahimi love coming from? Like the guy shot zero threes per game last season and hasn't shot any kind of threes in Tiger. Like, is this in practice? This is uh, in, this is in preseason game, my friend. Hell, not a you're falling. You're you're getting down to those Washington Wizards, or I'm promising you, Ian, Ian Mahimi is going to be a big three point shooter. You're falling to that level. Like I can't. You, the guy hadn't done it all year. The guy hadn't, hadn't done it all his, his entire career. There, again, follow all the beat writers up there. Fred Katz of the <laughs> Athletic. Candace Buckner, people I trust say this thing is real. <laughs> I'll, I'll take my chances. I will absolutely take my chances. But I do think that the Wizards do get in over the Hornets, and the Hornets eventually get in at that eighth spot. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with more. I'm Walker Mayo alongside Nada Edwards. Stick around on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti? 
and Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, guys, they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can Master we get, P. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. So looking at a couple articles here released just within the last, I don't know, a couple days or so. Sports Illustrated, an anonymous scout, Sports Illustrated wrote a couple of pieces or a couple of bullet points about the Charlotte Hornets and their expectations for the upcoming season. And a lot of these bullet points are basically things that we've talked about. Yes at nauseum constantly this offseason there are the same points that are regurgitated every single time every and we all know about these but there maybe are a couple of things one or two do they listen to the podcast maybe that's where they got this from. i feel like maybe they do or just basically read anything ever written about the hornets but you know one thing that's interesting is mkg so a couple things coming out borrego said earlier today that MKG is has a major role with this team. And I thought that was interesting. Well, what? Because here's a guy, yeah. So J- James Borrego saying that he has a major role with this team. So he went on radio earlier today, WFNZ, mm-hmm. and he said that MKG is going to have a major role. This is somebody that we thought might be on the outside looking in when Borrego started to implement this offense and started to implement this fast-paced offense and maybe people weren't paying attention so much to the defense. I thought MKG at first might see himself on the outside looking in, but he's been the first guy off the bench the last couple of games. He seems to be someone that can still help you on defense. You know, I I think me and you have liked MKG for what he is. I, I think MKG has been a, a decent basketball player in, in this for the Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets. I just didn't think that he would be a major role for this team under Borrego, but Borrego saying it, you've seen him come off the bench a couple times, and, and Sports Illustrated writing, quote, injuries zapped MKG's ability to be an elite athletic defender, and his offense has never really grown. He's more of an undersized four playing on the wing, which highlights his deficiencies. He's a reluctant shooter, and defenses can sit back in the paint and wait. It seems like he's going to be phased out. So there's Sports Illustrated's blurb about it, and this is, of course, before James Borrego said that he's got a major role with this team. One, nada, do you believe Borrego? Is there any reason to not believe him? And two, do you think the injuries did zap MKG of him being an elite defender? Yes and yes. Um, Definitely, I believe Borrego because as we've seen and as I've screamed about for the last three, four, five episodes, this team's defense isn't very good man on man. And I think having at least one guy that can at least prevent someone from getting to the basket is going to help. Kemba's all right at it. Jeremy Lamb provides lapses in in concentration at times. Batum, the same thing. Well, actually, no, I I take that back. Cody's number two. Cody's the only other guy. It's those two guys that you can know can guard their man, guard the pick and roll fairly well. The other point is that I didn't even really think about was the injuries. And this anonymous scout is kind of right when we start talking about, okay, this kid's been through how many shoulder surgeries, how many knee ankle related surgeries. Of course, they're going to slow someone down. The fact that he's basically not hasn't been able to just perform on the court for long stretches of time or be effective. 
that's hurt his development. I mean, we talked about it a couple days ago. His form is getting worse on his jump shot. That's something to be worried about right well, now. Well, and offensively, man, you're you're getting what you're getting from MKG, and there's just nothing ever going to develop, I think, from the outside. And if it does, then fantastic. I'm glad I'm wrong. It's just I think you have to accept MKG's inability to shoot anymore from the outside. That's just what he is. And so now you have MKG as somebody who was once thought to maybe maybe making an all-first-team NBA defensive team at least once in his career or being up there. And the guy, I don't think he has uh, one all-NBA defensive team right to his name so and here's somebody I I remember talking with Kevin Arnovitz about this last year and he really likes MKG as a defender but he's like "I, I don't like leaving him off of these teams all the time and you're thinking of third team of course but there's just too many other defenders I consider better than him now that doesn't make him not good right I mean he's still a very good defender but now you're talking about was he robbed of being an elite guy that man you think of defense you think he's competing for one of those spots on one of the All-NBA three teams that there is at the end of this on that specific end of the court. Yeah, that's the problem. We There's going to be a what-if with him, and there's going to be an asterisk with him. And I just really wonder what would have happened if Steve Clifford had been his coach from the outset and what would have happened if he had believed in him. I, I just – there's so much about the what-if game with Michael Kidd Gilchrist that it makes me sad – that said, I still think there's a future for him in this league because he is entirely too good as a defender at times. The one thing I do wonder, though, is if he ever just gets the jump shot back to functional. That's all he needs. He doesn't need to be elite. He just needs to be functional. Yeah, he airballed one against Chicago. Yeah. They, they let him take one mid-range, and he airballed one. And it's just, and this is what we've known from Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. And real quickly, another thing that a lot of people compared Malik Monk to coming out of college. Here's a bullet point from Sports Illustrated. You know, oh. Steve Clifford really didn't give him much of a chance. Maybe he wasn't really ready for it, which is, I think, important to note. But what happens with his development will be key for the future. If he can be a Lou Williams-ish type scorer, maybe you can see positive signs from him. And we've talked about the Lou Williams comparison, Mm -hmm. I think, at the beginning of that whole draft process. Lou Williams was a guy that was heavily mentioned with Malik Monk, same as Jamal Crawford. Those two guys being electric off the bench offensively, not a two-way player, not somebody that you consider a a fantastic all-around basketball player, but very fun offensively to watch. He's going to hit some crazy shots. He's going to be pretty athletic on the wing. I'm I'm hoping Malik, I think everybody's hoping Malik Monk can be more than that, but just interesting. We haven't talked about the comparison before. Do you think there is a ceiling higher than what Lou Williams brings you with Malik Monk? Gilbert Arenas. I think he's got that kind (laughs) of like spark. Without the gat? Yes. Yes, please. (laughs) No guns. I'll take Malik Monk without the gat. Yeah. No guns, no finger guns, no long <laughs> suspensions. I think there's a Gilbert Arenas to Malik's game, and I think the way he passes it is a little bit better than what at least Lou Williams does. Now, Jamal Crawford is a hell of a passer, and he does not get enough credit for it. Ball handling, he, he again, great He will ball. undress you. Yeah, he will undress you. He will make you look bad. I think Gilbert Arenas is the ceiling for a guy like Malik Monk, and if that's the case— then you hit big well, on a pick. 
I mean, as far as the talent goes, yeah. I mean, if you hit Gilbert Arenas, yeah, I'm, I'm probably I wouldn't give him that, but I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're right, Nada. That'd be, that'd be crazy to see. And Malik Monk is a guy that I'm probably the most excited to watch. A lot of people jumping on the Miles Bridges bandwagon, which is totally fine. The guy it's has too been, soon. Well, the guy's been great, and and at least I mean, you know, as far as being excited to watch somebody, people are allowed to be excited to watch their rookie who has done extremely well in preseason. They are. It's just I'm. Yes, they are. They are allowed to do that. But I want to watch Malik Monk is just. I want to see him in his second year under Borrego with Steve Clifford not having him on the bench, whether it was for right or for wrong, different conversation. I'm just ready to see Malik Monk out there. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, oh, absolutely. I Again, I don't want to get into this. I want to say Steve Clifford in those last six games was justified because the Malik Monk that pay, played those last six games was a whole different guy than the guy that started the season trying to play these games. Yeah, he ended on a good note, certainly offensively. All right, we'll take another quick break. We'll come back with some NBA drama, really the story that both of us have wanted to get to the entire time. I really wish I was locked on Minnesota just for one day so we could talk about the Jimmy Butler saga that is going on in Minnesota right now. Stick around and come back. We'll talk about all the drama that ensues. This is Locked on Hornets. And just that I showed any kind of vulnerability, well, you, yeah, you I just, think Nod is just going to jump You are the gazelle limping through the African <laughs> yes. safari. I'm in the mud. Yeah. I'm in I'm in some sticky yeah, mud. You are the hippo stuck in the mud. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm about to just get destroyed by Nas or by Nod as <laughs> By Nas. By Nas. <laughs> He's going to come out with me a rap battle. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Walker Mail and Nada Edwards here with you today. No Doug Branson. We got some drama going on up north, Nada. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's I've been looking forward to I, this for 24 it's hours. It's amazing. Walker. It is amazing to see what has gone on in Minnesota with Jimmy Butler wanting a trade, mm-hmm. meeting with Tom Thibodeau a couple of times here and there, a couple more times here and there, mm-hmm. and Tom never being able to change Jimmy Butler's mind, a constant reiteration of, no, coach, I really want to leave. I don't want to be here in Minnesota, and he's just not having any of it. And so this Minnesota Timberwolves team, mm-hmm. they went to practice yesterday, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Butler had himself a day. Butler mm-hmm. was included in this practice. He decided to show up here. So they scrimmaged, mm-hmm. and reports came out. That, quote, there are some conflicting reports here from different players, and and that's what is part of all this fun. Yeah, who who leaked what? (laughs) Right, who leaked what? We know Jimmy Butler leaked a lot of stuff in his interview with Rachel Nichols after the practice, right after. you're You're not even getting to the best part. Jimmy Butler's people called her the day before. Right. We know it's planned. Uh, this was so staged. It's un, it, it's a WWE event. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so staged, but I'm here for it all nonetheless. So Jimmy Butler reportedly at first takes the third stringers, <laughs> the second stringers, <laughs> battles it out against the starters like Carl Anthony Towns, like Andrew Wiggins, specifically those two. And he wins every single scrimmage that he's a part of in this practice yesterday. Unbelievable. What, what the funniest part is, apparently, he's guarding Carl Ke- Anthony Towns in the post. And Carl Anthony Towns is so scared of this man that he passes the ball right out. Doesn't do anything against this man. This man <laughs> went in there, was like, I'm only going to be here for one hour. 
I'm going to come in. I'm going to have two scrimmages with y'all. I'm going to prove how soft you are. And you know what? You'd prove me right. I, and then walked right back out. I mean, it's such a G move. And I there's some things like, look, I don't think Jimmy Butler did it for the better of the team. I think he did it with of his own not. agenda. You know, Jimmy Butler did it with his own agenda to get out of Minnesota and to shine some light on the situation that's going on right now and have this interview with Rachel Nichols. But I do think that Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins need to get it in gear. I don't think there's anybody that thinks otherwise. Now, here's the thing, though. Here Again, we're talking about two guys that are 21 and 22. They're probably not going to respond very well to this. You know what? At me at 21, 22, I'm not responding too well to this. More importantly, we all have that crazy coworker that drives us nuts, that goes way too hard in the paint, and it just asks from everything from perfection, this, that, and the third, and they get on your nerves, and you want them gone. This is why I don't. This is like I don't blame Jimmy Butler. Uh, again, I don't blame Jimmy Butler for not wanting to be there. I don't blame Carl Anthony Towns for not wanting to be there. I don't, again, I don't blame Andrew Wiggins for wanting him gone. I don't blame anybody. The funny thing is, I don't want him on this team either. Jimmy Butler. Yes. Right. Like, and Jimmy Butler, I wonder, yeah. It's, Save it's, your trade scenarios. Right. Well, and a lot of people are running rampant with it, with the Charlotte Hornets possibly trading. But again, you're, you're getting, we've talked about this. You're getting, you know, one year with Jimmy. You're having to, again, that's where the party like Presti soundbite was dropped, right? I mean, unless yeah. you can get Michael Jordan to party like Presti with Jimmy Butler, enough for him to consider signing long term, which, you know, then you'd have to talk about the money. Like what? It, it's just it wouldn't work, right? No, I mean, it no, just it's it just. Not a, even that. I mean, just Jimmy Butler getting traded here, unless you got you know Nick Batum sent. Like I I don't want to go down this road because it's just not going to happen. No, here, here's here's why it's a horrible idea from jump. This team just got over the dynamic personality and the mixed messages of Dwight was the problem. Dwight wasn't the problem. They didn't handle Lance Stevenson well. What in the world makes you think they're going to handle Jimmy Butler well? I do think Nick Batum would make that Minnesota Timberwolves team a lot better, though. So do I. And yeah, I think that would be a pretty fair trade for them to get Batum in some sort of capacity. But whatever. We'll, we'll, right. But just talking about the drama that more ensues here with Minnesota. So, so Jimmy Butler practices against Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and... Jimmy Butler in this interview with Rachel Nichols discusses how Kat said, nobody can check me. And I said, try me then. This is Jimmy Butler. That's mm-hmm. all I said. All I said was try me because every time I come back out, you either kick it out to another player and you won't drive it on me. Also, quote, Jimmy Butler or Jimmy Butler said, quote, to Scott Layden, the GM of Minnesota, you bleeping need me, Scott. You can't win without me. That's an awesome quote leaving. And then, of course, he continues to beat all the every single uh all the teams that he plays against in all of these scrimmages. And now the conflicting report here is Taj Gibson came on, I believe, a radio show up in Minnesota or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so here's a veteran that says he actually liked the practice, right? Purportedly. <laughs> of course he does. Rep- He's a Tibbs guy. Well, yeah, you're right. Well, and, and Taj is crazy. Like, that. that's that's an all-back alley team member, probably. Yes, like, you, you can put Taj Gibson comfortably anywhere on that roster. But you have Taj Gibson. Apparently, Jeff Teague liked it, which I probably would have bet against. But your veteran, Jeff Teague, he mm-hmm. liked it as well. I, I think maybe Anthony Tolliver was somebody that said he didn't mind it as well. But mm-hmm. you had the veterans. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the veterans didn't like it. But specifically, your two number one overall picks and Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, they didn't love it. And so what's interesting also is that Taj was like, man, that ain't true. Like, he did not beat the other team with just the backups and the third stringer. So There are I, too many reports of that, Taj. I, I, well, you know, I may, and maybe I don't know if a veteran would want to just continue to 
fill the to light the fire of all this drama that's going on. But again, that's that's the conflicting reports we're getting. But Shams has the has the guys he played with. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's all very. Lou Aldang was on that team. Now, and I, Bobby Marks brought up one point real quickly before we ended here today. Bobby Marks bringing up the point that. This regime, this Minnesota franchise, they completely faltered here. And mm-hmm. the fact that one, they just didn't trade Jimmy Butler when they had the chance against my with Miami. Like Miami could have had him. Luckily for the Charlotte Hornets, at least right now, Jimmy Butler's not in the Eastern Conference with a team that is going to be battling Charlotte for an eight spot. Yeah. But they could have done that. And also they could have not brought him in. Knowing the type of personality that Jimmy Butler is, which this kind of stuff was documented in sh- in Chicago, like yeah. we knew the kind of thing that Jimmy Butler was about, and so they decide to trade for Jimmy Butler. And Bobby Marks mentioning this, by the way, one of the best guys out there to follow for any kind of salary cap projections or just anything as far as an NBA front office insider goes. He's saying, "Oh, this is on Minnesota for failing to realize that this could be a potentially awful relationship between." One of the best players in the NBA and Jimmy Butler, and one of the best young players in the NBA and Carl Anthony Towns, and then Andrew Wiggins, who you're desperately trying to cling hope on for, right? And and all of that, they should have realized it just wasn't going to work, and now it's ended pretty badly. It hadn't ended yet, I guess, but it's all accumulated to something very bad relationship-wise. We're forgetting that Tibbs is Tibbs here. Tibbs calls all the shots, so Tibbs knew what right. he was getting with Jimmy Butler. He knew, he knew how that would work. He thought Jimmy Butler would come in and beat the toughness into these kids. And guess what didn't happen? No. I mean— And, and he refuses to trade him. And he refuses to trade him now. Like it, It's unbelievable. I mean, the best part about that uh, that interview was uh, with Rachel Nichols. He was like, Tibbs loved that practice. I know he loved that practice. Well, of course he did. Like, but but if you but have this is what he wants. But if you have Carl Anthony Towns in fetal position on the wing, then it's not going to work out for you in the regular season. I mean, it works out for us. That's content, man. It works out for us. You're absolutely right, and I am all here for it. I kind of don't want him to be traded. We had a question earlier today on the wake-up call. Do you think Butler gets traded in the first 10 days of the season? I'm, I'm like, yeah, I no. think, but, nope. but maybe not. Like, no. I mean, it makes the most sense to, but they're just going to keep on holding on to December him. December 15th. And by the way, real quickly, Minnesota not having practice today and nothing open for media reports, even though Tom Thibodeau talked about how they haven't been able to practice a whole lot, and how essential it is for them to get ready for the regular season. I wonder what's going on right now. <laughs> it's it's a mess up in Minnesota. They are a complete dumpster fire right now. The grass isn't always greener, folks. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Hornets here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you. Final episode of the week tomorrow. See you guys. That was fun.